Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, Steve Jones Show, News Radio 1070 WKOK, and Sean Carey. Steve, in a moment, will check in. From the Sunbury Motor Studio, Sunbury Motors, Ford, Lincoln, Hyundai, North 4th Street, Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors, Kia. On the strip, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. You can get in contact with us. Our email is stevejones at wkok.com. You can also find us on social media, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Twitter handle at Steve Jones PSU, and you can subscribe to our podcast. We're on iTunes, Apple Podcast app, and Google Play. Search Steve Jones Show, hit subscribe, and we'll send the shows right to your mobile device. You can listen to them anytime, anywhere, and you also have access to at least three months' worth of previous shows by going to the podcast archive page at stevejonesshow.com. With you live till 5 this afternoon, we've got Bill Bender, the National College football writer from Sporting News. He'll be coming up later on this hour. And actually, Bill, on Monday night, was in Cleveland witnessing up close and personal Vlad Jr. in the home run derby. So we'll talk a little baseball with Bill and, of course, get his perspective on college football as the conference media days are now starting to happen. Big Ten Media Day will be next Thursday and Friday from Chicago. And we'll also have more Penn State football conversation coming up next hour. Uh, scheduled to join us, Mark Brennan from Fight on State and Lions247.com. And Kevin Jones, Steve's brother, be with us on the show tomorrow before we head into the weekend. And of course, as we mentioned, you can head to stevejonesshow.com. Uh, for previous shows on our podcast archive page. Well, former Boston Red Sox slugger David Ortiz underwent a third surgery earlier this week because of complications from the gunshot wound he suffered last month in the the Dominican Republic. Earlier this morning, Ortiz's wife Tiffany uh, released a statement along with the Boston Red Sox. Uh, She did not disclose details about the complications, but said that uh, David is recovering well and in good spirits. Big Poppy is 43, still recovering in Massachusetts. Uh, Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston after being shot in Santo Domingo on June the 9th. Doctors in the Dominican Republic removed his gallbladder and part of his intestine before he was flown to Boston in an air ambulance set by, sent by the Red Sox. Once in Boston, Ortiz underwent a second surgery on June the 10th. This week's operation was performed by Dr. David King at Massachusetts General. And in that statement this morning, uh, say that they continue to be incredibly appreciative of the kindness and compassion shown to David and our entire family 
during this difficult time. Ortiz led the Red Sox to three World Series championships, 10-time All-Star, 541 home runs. The Red Sox retired his number 34 a couple of years ago, and a bridge and a stretch of road outside Fenway Park are named after Big Poppy. There actually is something that happened yesterday. You now they say this, you know, yesterday the quietest day, you know, all professional sports, silent, no games, no nothing, but there actually was something that took place yesterday. It's still going on in Las Vegas. The World Series of Poker. And former New England Patriots star Richard Seymour, well, he's a three-time Super Bowl champion. At this point, we can say he's still better in football than in poker, but actually didn't do all that bad. He did get knocked out of the competition uh, early this morning, about 4 a.m. our time, close to 1 a.m. Las Vegas time. But he's looking for more jewelry, a diamond bracelet. That's given to the winner of the World Series of Poker main event every year. Seymour ended up playing four days of poker in Vegas and put himself in a position to possibly win the whole thing. He ended yes. up in 131st place. Yeah. $275 million chips. At one point, he was at one point he was the 35th highest chip total of any player but he went into Tuesday with two and a half million chips was able to add like 150,000 to his chip total over the course of the day but ended up getting uh, knocked out within the last 12 hours or so but he was one of 334 players left standing yesterday so that's not bad he Mm. outlasted like 95% of the field in Vegas how expensive were his sunglasses (laughs) <laughs> to hide his eyes. That's what I want to know. By the way, the uh, top prize this year for the main event World Series of Poker, $10 million. And during his 12-year playing career, pocketed just under $90 million. So you're saying he doesn't need the money? <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I For those inquiring minds that wanted to know. But he's already racked up a little over in all the poker tournaments he's played so far including main event he's he's pulled in so far in earnings like $600,000 that's impressive yeah move over Gabe Kaplan here comes Richard Seymour (laughs) Gabe Kaplan (laughs) Gabe Kaplan was in a movie entitled Fast Break yeah where he's hired to be a basketball coach and I think essentially where it's supposed to be is Nevada Reno. I'm going to guess because the, the the big Kahuna would be UNLV. Okay, all right. So he's got to do something. So he goes to New York, the streets of New York, because that's because he's from New York. So he knows New York, right? And he goes to the streets of New York, and he gets four four players that he knows. One of them is Bernard King. <laughs> okay. Bernard King can play. And Mike Warren. Remember Mike Warren from Hill Street Blues? That great 80s TV show, yeah. Yeah. Well, Mike Warren was the starting guard at UCLA. And gets him and then two other guys. All four can flat out play. He just has to get a fifth guy to go out there and play play ball with him just to fill out the lineup. And the agreement is is that he's going to get paid one hundred dollars for every win. 
So naturally they go through, look, you got Bernard King and Mike Warren, you're really not that bad. So they're going on, they're crushing one team after another. And they get out to a 21-0 and record. 21-0. and Okay. So the athletic director pulls them aside. $2,100. So he pays them in 100s. 100, 200. Gets the 2100 And he looks at him and kind of looks left, looks right. Gives him an extra 100 <laughs> <laughs> Which you and I, of course, know is completely absurd. <laughs> but it was part of the comedy of the movie. At the end, they do have to put, face the version of UNLV. And they beat him in a close game. And I guess he, if I remember, he gets, I don't know, like a lifetime contract out of it or something. But, yeah, it was Gabe, Cap, Gabe Kaplan from Welcome Back Cotter fame, which featured a young actor by the name of John Travolta as Vinnie Barbarino. Whoever thought in a million years would be mentioning Vinnie Barbarino in this show? And John Travolta. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yes, those are the those are the days. Those were the days. All right. Now, uh, we have received a lot of very interesting comments on our segment of the show yesterday, dealing with athletic meals. And I did. We did get one comment that I really felt was had to be addressed on our Facebook page. And hopefully, I've still got it here. But I can at least, in general, reference it because. Yeah, here's your training table article. Um, I think I probably eliminated the Facebook one. But the question, the question was asked, or the comment was made, whether it affected the meal plans or whether the meal plans cost more because the athletes are eating. I think I think you saw that one, right, Sean? I did see one too. If uh, if a student had to like pay a portion of it, like. A- like had to put their stipend toward it, a portion of like a dream, yeah, zero, correct. The student athlete puts zero toward it, and the meal plan for the student on campus is not even remotely affected by it. And our Facebook friend uh, Ryan Mock, thank you, Ryan. I wonder if the students foot the bill for this, as regular students must pay for their own meal plan. No, absolutely not. The money all comes from the athletic department. This is a complete athletic department expense. That's why when we've had Sandy Barber on the show and this happened, I asked her about the expense and she said, look, here's here's the bottom line. And the bottom line is that, that they've had they had to adjust the budget 
to make sure that they could accommodate the stipend, and they had to adjust their budget to accommodate the nutrition stations. And she gave the numbers as as to what it was going to be. And I remember her saying that the initial numbers were probably going to be about seven hundred seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Well, if you notice in, in this report, the number ends up getting for a two-year span to be $1.4 million. So Sandy's numbers were spot on. But those, but that money all comes from the athletic department. So just like tuition is not raised because of athletic scholarships, because the athletic department makes the financial uh, transfer, since they make, since they're the ones that, 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 it comes out of their pocket, just like the rent at the Jordan Center comes out of the athletic department's budget. Uh, I mean, this is how that's how it works. The athletic department is bringing in money through ticket sales, Nittany Lion Club donations, radio network, corporate partners, television deals, bowl splits, NCAA basketball distributions. Penn State didn't make the NCAA tournament. Indiana didn't make a, a bowl game either. Guess what? They got bowl money, and Penn State got NCAA tournament basketball money. It's how it works. Um, that's where the money comes out to pay the stipends, to pay the coaches, to pay the nutrition bills. It does not, not one dime of it comes out of the general fund. Not one dime of it. In fact, it's uh, when you look at, uh, for example, you know, he mentioned you know uh, meal plans for students. One has nothing to do with the other. One has nothing to do with the other. What you pay for the meal plan is, if they had no athletics, you'd be paying that for the meal plan. No athletics, you'd be paying that for the meal plan. Fair question, because again, in other words, if you don't know the answer to the question, believe me, he isn't the only one that probably thought about that question. So you ask the question that way you can get the right answer. That's always the most important part of any question. Never, I mean, and that, that includes this, especially on this show. If you if you're not sure about something, ask. Don't ever sit back and say, well, hey, this is kind of a dumb question. Okay? If you're not sure about something, it's not a dumb question. And this is what I tell my the, the students in my class all the time. Don't sit there and keep your mouth shut and then leave the classroom and, and leave confused because you don't know. Said, ask the question and never think it's a stupid question because I can guarantee you that if you have the question, there might be three or four other people in the class that had the same question. Well, it's the same story with this. He asked that question. All right, great. Well, in asking that question, you know, does it come out, you know, does the average student have an increase in their meal plan that they have to pay for out of their pockets because the athletes are going to ask the answer? It's an excellent question because it's a, it's something that people don't know. 
So, answer the question. Well, the answer to the question is no. It all comes out of athletic department funds. Stipends. You don't see an increase in tuition because of stipends. And it comes out of the athletic department. The athletic department is autonomous at Penn State. Not everyone has the same system. In fact, most of them have a more integrated system within the university financially. Not at Penn State. They've always made the decision at Penn State to be autonomous. In other words, you spend based on what you bring in. So in the last few years, that, quote, margin number, I don't really want to call it a profit because I think it's more of a rainy day fund. So that margin number has been about a, a plus $5 million to a plus $10 million somewhere in that range. Right? And because you are able to build in a margin like that, it then allows you that when the NCAA passes a rule on stipends, you have the money. When the NCAA passes a rule on, nutri- on nutrition stations, Penn State has the money. There are 11 nutrition stations on campus for student-athletes. There are two primary ones that are bigger stations. One's in Lash Building, one's in Rec Hall. Then there are nine other satellite nutrition stations at various locations on campus that athletes can get to and use. And it's all funded by the athletic department. So it's funded by the donations that are brought in from the Nittany Lion Club, corporate partners, radio network rights, ticket sales, television rights, bowl contracts, Big Ten championship game contract, Big Ten basketball tournament contract, and... NCAA basketball contract. And that's, you know, you put it all, it's kind of, it, it comes together like that. So, Ryan, it's a good question because I'll bet there are some other people who probably have the same question. We'll come back with more in a moment. News Radio 1070 WKOK brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. That was it, Sean. We've done the event at the Edison Hotel in Lewisburg, right? Oh, Sunbury, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, we've had our yeah, we've had the fall sports party there many a time over the years. Which is named for Thomas Edison. That's right. He was upstairs in one of the rooms where he uh, came up with the the theory and the creativity of, of the first ever light bulb. Yeah. Yet there's at least one person we know that we work with where we always wonder if the light ever did come on. <laughs> <laughs> Is it really this easy? All right. <laughs> and actually, you probably don't know this. It's it's not in Sunbury, but it's in Shimokin. Shimokin has the uh, the first church in the world that uh, used electric uh, lighting inside. Oh, how about that? Yep. Very nice. Yep. Ah, 
Just hoping for that last guy in the building to get the light on. <laughs> All right, the light's always on for this guy. He, I, I consider him a friend. Bill Bender, National College Football Writers Sporting News. Bill, how have you been? Hey, Steve, I'm doing great. I hope your summer's great. I talked to Sean, you know, uh, baseball uh, with the All-Star game being over, you know what the focus goes. College football will be here before we know it. Exactly. Now, you were at the home run contest on Monday night. What was that experience like seeing all those homers launched? No, I mean, uh, yeah, I covered it, and then my wife brought my son. It was his first home run <laughs> derby, and I, uh, I think his, his, as much as Vlad hit 40 home runs, I think I'm going to remember just you know catching my son at the park before it started and his face and the you know the well that's what the all-star game is supposed to bring out you know and and it did and i thought the home run derby was cool i thought the all-star game was cool it never hurts when a cleveland kid gets the um all-star mvp either so it, it was a yeah. fun time all the way around it was now we got to start concentrating on college football uh i know i've been on several shows in the last couple of weeks, I was on Sirius. I was on a show in Alabama last night. And when they asked me about the Big Ten East, I said there are more questions among those, quote, top four teams than I can remember. A new coach, losses on a defense, a new quarterback, two new quarterbacks, uh, a team that is a lot back but was 7-6 and six last year. So are they, you know, the old good news, bad news. The good news is we have everybody back. The bad news is we have everybody back. Uh, so, yeah. so, 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 Bill, how do you look at the Big Ten East uh, from 30,000 feet? Well, if we're, if we're getting rid of Rutgers, Indiana, and Maryland off the go, but I could touch on them briefly. I think Maryland will do okay with Michael Oxley. I think Indiana has played hard, and you always wonder – you just can't play bad against them or you'll get picked off. So you got that like right. Screw it up against those three. You got um, that right. Rut- Rutgers is in trouble. Chris Ash is on the hot seat, I think, um, which is surprising. Uh, I thought they'd be better. So you get into the, the big four, so to speak, and I'd start in Michigan State. I think their biggest strength is going to be a really good defense. It's that kind of tough out defense. It makes you work with Willikus and Bocce at linebacker and um, experience there. Their offense has to be better, though. And Lewerke has to take that next step because they're a team whose entire season is predicated on the Michigan game. When they beat Michigan, good things happen. When they lose to Michigan, they have a year like they did last year. Right. Exactly. So that, that, well, right. I didn't, yeah, if you want me to do I didn't want to just run on and talk. Oh, no, time, no, that's but, uh, fine. No, no, no. Now we get, now let's get to Michigan. Now, look. They've got they've got the established quarterback back, as does Michigan State. Uh, offensive line is probably pretty good, but what about around him? Because Chris Evans, for example, is suspended. Well, that that's been the curious thing with Michigan for a long time. Is that it, you've been around the Big Ten long enough to remember? I mean, if I said when's the last time Michigan had a a workhorse back that you just knew was awesome, and I, and you'd probably have to go back to Mike Hart. Ty- for sure, yeah, Mike. Chris yeah, Perry Mike Hart. Yeah. So since Lloyd Carr retired, they haven't had that. They didn't. I mean, Fitz Toussaint went for a thousand. Karan Higdon was okay last year, but those weren't game-changing running backs. And that's no. that's one thing to keep in mind. But Shea is throwing to probably the best group of receivers in the Big Ten with Peoples Jones, Collins, and Black, and with the hire of Gaddis, who Penn State fans know well. Their offense is going to be pretty good. I think their defense will take a small step back. But the thing with Michigan, the question I've answered all summer long, 
is the Ohio State question. They can't get distracted by that because they have a tough schedule before that. Yeah. Yeah, they do. I mean, and that's – look, if Michigan's going to put itself in a position to be in the college football playoff, they will have the schedule to back it up if they rack up wins. If they get distracted, they won't, and they'll be back of the pack again. Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, Michigan plays at Penn State and Wisconsin, and they play Army early. Army's going to be really good. Um so I think, you know, Michigan's got a team that, that could do that. I think Penn State is a team that, you know, that Michigan-Penn State game is really interesting to me because I feel like the winner of that game is going to have a true stake in the race with Ohio State in November, and the loser will probably fade to an 8-4 and four or 9-3 and three type season. So, you know, I think it's going to be on the Wolverines to go in. We, we were both there last time they played at a whiteout. It was not pretty. But I think Michigan's a better team this year. And Penn State, we'll know more about – here's how I feel about them, Steve. I think they've lost a ton of experience, obviously. You can't replace a guy like McSorley. But I feel like the recruiting James Franklin has done has brought in more talented players that are going to get their chance to shine. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the opportunity is there for them to do it, especially – and you talked about the last two weeks of the season – because in the last two weeks of the season, Ohio State has to play Penn State and then Michigan back-to-back. So you're right, that Penn State-Michigan winner knows they have Ohio State at the end one way or the other, which then can determine which way it goes. So now let's swing it to Ohio State for a moment. We know Ryan Day was 3-0, and right? so we've seen some of it, but not where it's all him. But a brand-new quarterback there, how do you view them at this point? I think they're going to be really good because they've got talent, and the vibe around the program is a little bit different. I think last year was a very exhausting year for the program, from the time Urban got suspended to when he comes back, Penn State come back, Nick Boza goes down, they lose to Purdue, and by the end of the year they're playing as well as anybody. It was a really strange year. When, When you have a Heisman finalist who throws for Big Ten records, and he was probably like to use the old newspaper analogies, he was probably like page three or page four headline that you had that right. quarterback. So it was that kind of year. And I think Ryan Day's brought a little more of a – it's on the outside looks like a relaxed vibe, but I, you know they're working. You know they've got yeah. talent. They've recruited well. And they're still the team to beat in the Big Ten East in my mind. How do you – is it possible to have a view of Justin Fields – or is this going to be something where I, it's much better if I ask you this question in October? Well, I went to the spring game, and that's, that's so hard to tell because he was not being hit. And a quarterback that relies on his legs, it'd be like watching Trace and saying, well, he got sacked on that play, when you can't tell because with, with a guy like Trace, he may have squirted through the guard tackle gap and ran for 28 yards or 30 yards or something. So, And Justin Fields is that kind of player. Now, the passing was suspect in the spring game but again spring game and I think he's going to have to grasp Ryan Day's entire playbook but you know when you've got that they've got talent everywhere they've got a really good defensive line I think J.K. Dobbins is going to have a big year and I do too what's that? I do too because I think he's the greatest beneficiary of Fields being there because you and I both know that Haskins was not going to be a running quarterback yeah, and remember when we were talking last year, you you made the best point about the, the Barkley-McSorley thing was that 
having a guy like a quarterback that can run makes it so much of a big difference on those zone read plays. It sounds like common sense, but a lot of teams still pass it off with the run and just run with the guy, which in part makes what Miles Sanders was doing last year even more impressive yeah. too. That guy was he was awesome, and he's gonna have a good NFL career. So. Um, yeah, I think Dobbins will be back more like the freshman year Dobbins we saw. Yeah, I agree because you know the freshman year Dobbins had Barrett, right? Well, Barrett was a running threat and could get the ball to the outside to Dobbins. And Haskins, that's just not his. That's not who he is. I think Dobbins could have a huge year for them for Ohio State defensively. I think they're going to be interesting because I think up front, defense their defensive front's really good. I don't know what you think. But I, no, I, I, mean, I think they're going to make life easier for their back seven. Well, that's what what Penn State has. Good front four. You know, they front, sure good do. Edge rushers. You know, Chris yeah. Mattis is a guy that's first round NFL, you know, potential. High State's got Chase Young. Uh, Michigan lost their guys, but they've got some pretty talented guys behind them. And they were on a scheme where it just, the pressure's coming from everywhere anyway. Um, right. But Chase Young and this freshman that Penn State and Michigan were recruiting as well named Zach Harrison, I was at spring practice, and he is going to be very good. And it's probably going to happen sooner rather than later. So that's why I like those three teams better than Michigan State still because I think they they have the guys up front. Michigan State has Willickis, but they don't have the same depth up front as those other three teams do. Yeah, I, yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. Uh, it, it's interesting that when I looked at the West, because I, you know, to get ready for Big Ten Media Day, you have to, I'm, and I'm not going to say who I voted for, but I voted for more offensive players in the West, <laughs> right. because, you know, and I think that's fair. I, I look at Nebraska. I will say this about Scott Frost: I don't know what they're going to do defensively, but I think he has the right quarterback. Oh, they're going to score a ton of points. They are, yeah. but, I, you know, Martinez is going to make it really exciting. Martinez is decent. You're at a window in Vegas, and you're looking for that kind of – because I think you'll have the numbers. I just don't know if they'll have the big marquee wins to, to win the Heisman. Um, their defense in the losses to Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, Ohio State last year, 30-plus points per game in those losses. And Purdue was another one. They were just bad. Right. So – they're yeah. not. They're going to be fun offensively, until they take the next step on the other side. Though they'll probably be, they'll get in a mess. I mean, they may pull off an upset and the one everybody wants to eyeball is September 28th when Ohio State rolls in. But they still got. I just think there's so much parity on that side. Every team in that division, Steve, except for Illinois. If you tell me they win the division, I'm not going to ask you who you pick. But if you pick any one of those six teams, I bet you can make a case. Yeah, you can make a case for any one of the six. It really is that wide open. Interesting, Bill, this is also going to be the last Big Ten media day with Jim Delaney as the commissioner. What is your perspective, and this is obvious it can bring with it a longer answer, what's your perspective on what his 30 years have meant to the Big Ten, and do you see moving forward maybe a different approach because everybody has their own imprint on the job? The, yeah, I mean, the good outweighed the bad, certainly. I think there were some scandals that rocked the conference, um, you know, in, a, in the high-level institutions that they have. But I think bringing Penn State in was huge. I think bringing Nebraska in was great. I'm not as keen on Maryland and Rutgers, but I understand the reasons why. Um, 
you know, the money, the television networks are a huge boon for the conference. I think the Big Ten is the – if you want to say the SEC is the more influ- influential conference in football right now, that's fine. But I think the Big Ten has set itself up to be the most influential conference when you factor in basketball and other sports. Um, you know, wrestling. The Big Ten baseball made a nice run with Michigan. So Delaney did a lot of good things, and it was balanced out by some of the – the, the scandals that did happen and I think Warren will do great um, I think he's a progressive hire he knows what he's doing and uh, he's going to really push this Big Ten through the playoff era a lot has changed since Delaney took over but I think the playoff era there could be more changes yeah I think I think the timing is right too because I think it gives Warren an opportunity because I think he'll take over January 1 but he's not going to have to negotiate a TV contract right away He's not going to have to negotiate bowl contracts for years because they've got them all tied up for five or six more years. So he's going to have a chance to get his feet on the ground and get a feel for what he wants to do next before he has to make any big decisions. Right, yeah. I mean, you know, everybody, they're, they're talking about the next TV contract. Will there be more expansion? I, you know, and what does that mean? Are we going to go to eight teams? And I've held this line all along. Here's two things that I think need to happen before we even – entertain going to eight teams. I think one, every conference has to play nine conference games. Because Agreed. Agreed. Why would the yeah. Like why would the uh Big Ten go to eight teams if the SEC and ACC are going to continue to play eight conference games? And then number two, what are we gonna are we gonna have a college football commissioner? I actually think it makes sense because it, for those of us that love the uh the Italian mob movies. I mean, you, and you want to apply it to the Power Five. You got to have the five families on the same page. And if you don't, one family is going to have all the power. And if you wanted to, it's not a bad analogy when you no, talk through it. I, no, um, you know, I, look, I love the I'm job. sorry. There's there's truth in this. <laughs> yeah, it, it, so so I don't know if for those of us who have seen The Godfather a few times, I don't know if we want to call the Big Tens the Corleones or whatever, but um, they have to be on the same page. And I think the best way to do that is to have a conference or an all-seeing commissioner who can kind of delegate that kind of authority. It's to the point where it's almost as popular. It's not as popular as the NFL, but it has the same kind of power as the NFL, and I think it needs to be done properly. Just an opinion, and then I'll, I'll get your feel for this because I always respect your opinion so much. I think you'll see a college basketball commissioner first, oh, yeah. and then then football will say, "Aha." Well, yeah, we're at a time where the the ba- basketball is probably going to need it because you know, and I'm starting to you get a different look at it. You know, I've got an eight year old son that's that's coming up through sports basically, uh, and. You know, the youth level's in, more interesting than it was when I was a kid, and I'm, and I'm not that old. I mean, it's like 20 years ago. So um, it's intense. It's you, There's a lot of money involved at the youth level, and, and I think that's where the basketball programs got started, but you can't just blame it on AAU. It, there's some other things that have gone wrong on the college level and the NBA level. So I, I think it'll be interesting. And a, and a college basketball commissioner would be – this is the perfect time for it. You clean, and you know who I would give it to. Honestly, I, I would take a run and have Jay Billis do it. Yeah, that's what I thought you'd say. Yep. I mean, he's he's his opinions. I don't always agree with Jay, 
but I think most of his opinion, like almost all of his opinions are designed to benefit the student athlete and to benefit the sports. Most of the time I say it makes sense. Some I don't agree with, but you know, you're not going to agree all the time with anybody. If the college football ever had one, I mean, you're going to hate when I say it, but I think the first guy to do it, if he ever retires, would be a guy like Nick Saban. Yeah. No, Nick Saban's already shown that when he's been at media days and he's talked about the bigger picture, he's always had the ability to talk about the bigger picture and make sense. See, you mentioned Jay Billis. You and I do not agree with everything he says. We agree with a lot of what he says, but not everything. But everything he does say is at least well-reasoned. Right. And, and Nick, I think Saban, Saban, you, and Nick Saban's the same way. Yeah. You bring that up with me. So I've done a couple SEC media days, and he controls the room. He A lot of what he does is calculated. Like, we, the, the blow-ups go viral. Well, he does those when he wants to. I'm just right. glad it hasn't. I, I'm just glad it hasn't been my question yet. That, that like, kind of <laughs> triggers it because I'm like yeah. – then I'd be, you know, real paranoid about it. But he does. He he talks about he'll he'll talk about his team, sure, but he'll talk about the issues that he thinks affected the sport. And one thing I agree with him that he figured out, and people don't want to admit it. The the second we went to the playoffs, the bull system kind of went out the door, and, and we're living on it still. But I still think there are so many, you know, it really hurt the New Year's Day six bulls. It hurt the other bulls because the entire sport revolves around that 14 playoff now. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, you know what? I, and I think you actually could see that coming bill because when the BCS was the top two, you felt like everybody else was taking the, the second tier. Well, now it's at least three bulls because I'll, I'll include the championship game as a bowl. And the other ones are taking a back seat. I think we were already seeing that with the BCS. So, I mean, that I think that precedent was already being set. Like, yeah, you're not in the title game, so what? Go play. Right. And, and you know, like with guys skipping bulls, and this was one with – and I don't want to make light of it, but so when Michigan lost to Florida in the bull game last year, I didn't care because – they didn't have Rashawn Gary or Devin Bush on the, or Karen. They didn't have their leading rusher and two best defensive players on the field. So right. it does diminish the product, whether we like to say or not. And you can question the kid's commitment, but they also have to have an incentive to play in the bowl games if they have an NFL future. I think it's a very real question about sport. And if you go to eight, then, then it's going to get even worse because I, I think guys just will not care if they don't make the playoffs. Right, no, exactly. This all started, obviously, with McCaffrey and with Fournette, and now it's carried through. You're right. Now, Karan Higdon sitting out, I didn't quite understand. I thought he needed to play to en- to en- to enhance his, but that's just me. All right. <laughs> yeah, you're correct. Bill, always a pleasure. Great to hear from you. Glad your son's doing so well and that he enjoyed the All-Star game, and uh, I can't wait to talk to you again. Hey, you guys are great. Thank you, and it'll be here before you know it. I'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. Bill Bender, national football writer, Sporting News.
Back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza Sunbury and at sunburymotors.com selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Weekday afternoons, the Steve Jones Show talks Penn State sports. Congratulations to her because she won a national championship this weekend, and I think most of you didn't know it. Weekdays at 3 on News Radio 1070 WKOK and WKOK.com. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app. 